Computer, initialize Holosuite. another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 5, Second Skin. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely. And as I say every week, you should find us and follow us because we are a great time. And you will enjoy the bits of wisdom and funny bits that we share with you as well through, especially Twitter in particular. Um, But also, as you should know, we are going to be live for the very first time this Sunday, October 2nd. And the place where you're going to be able to find the link will be through our social medias. That will be the Facebook Fire uh, Fire Caves page and, of course, the Twitter Fire Caves uh, account. So find us, follow us, and make sure that you can tune in when we go live for the very first time. Yeah. So, we, as David said, we'll be talking about the episode Second Skin tonight. However, before we get into all that, of course, we want to update you on what we're doing. So, David, how have you been? I've been pretty good. Uh, work's been normal. Uh, I don't know. Life's been pretty normal past week or so. How about you? I was going to say essentially the same. I mean, which to me just means boring. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of get into these ruts in your routine, you know, and there are times when I, of course, appreciate that, but then there are other times where I'm like, man, I just kind of wish something would happen, you know? Right. But then I had a bunch of, like, dumb things happen today that just kind of mildly infuriated me, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and for apparently no explanation that I can determine, my favorite Yeti mug has decided to stop functioning. I, I don't even know how it's possible. In what so, sense? So, you know how on all the mugs, you know, they have the, you have your top and then there's, they've got like the little plastic or rubberized seal that runs around the lid, you know? Right. Well, for some reason, mine has decided to stop working. I can't figure out for the life of me why, but like I've looked at it, I've taken it off, I've put it back on, I've lined everything up. And yet for some reason, when you put it on the lid and then you turn it upside down, like you're going to drink or whatever water or whatever it is you're drinking starts to leak out of the side and i mean (laughs) i've screwed it on tight a bunch of different ways and everything else and yet it won't work so i'm just like i don't know if i've I've, now i've had this mug for quite a while i think i've had this mug for um maybe five or six years but i mean it's a metal cup it's not like it should go bad or whatever but i guess the seal (laughs) thing does yeah and so i'm gonna have to like either get a whole new mug or find a replacement or something. I don't know. Right. But it was just, it was very infuriating that every time I took a drink today, I had, you know, something dribbling down my face and onto my shirt and whatever. Right. And then, um, the, in my refrigerator on the side of the door, you know, you have your little shelves and everything like that. The plastic paneling that was like the bottom shelf that kind of keeps everything 
on the shelf, uh-huh. decided just randomly when I opened the refrigerator today to break and fall off, and everything that was on that row fell onto the ground. And of course, what do I keep on that bottom shelf? All of the glass things. Like my daughter, my daughter loves pickles, so you know we had the pickle spears were down there on the bottom, and I like olives for like salads and stuff. Those were down there, and just you know things like that, and they all hit the ground and all promptly broke. So I had various juices and bits of glass and everything else all over the kitchen floor, and I just, I just <laughs> stared, I just stared at it, like yeah, I, was like, I just can't believe, yeah, can't believe the feeling, yeah. And so then I had to spend like the next however long cleaning all that up, and you know how it is when you when you break glass, you never Every feel like you get little, it all, yeah, right. Yeah. No matter how much you mop or sweep and vacuum, you never feel like you really get it all. And you know you didn't. Yeah. You know, like six months from now, you'll be walking in the kitchen in the middle of the night. Ah! Right. <laughs> and that one little sliver that you missed is going to slide right in and just slice your foot all up. And it's just yeah. so annoying. So, yeah, I just, I hate yeah. breaking glass. And it's you know, like, like a oh. bunch of it went under the refrigerator and it'll never be found oh. until like that refrigerator's moved out. And, well, let's see. And I did that. I moved the refrigerator. I moved the, uh, uh, the oven and everything like that, you know, trying to make sure that I was being thorough and getting all the glass. But even still, yeah. even doing all that, and I mopped twice, I swept, I waited for it to dry, I vacuumed in the kitchen still. I don't know, even doing all that, Somewhere, you know, a couple months from now, somebody is going to slip on glass. It will it be me? Will it be my kid? Who knows? Now, of course, I would rather it be me than her, but I'm just like, why? Why? You know? See, so, yeah, I was just, I was very upset um, <laughs> today dealing with these little minor yeah. annoyance. Like that was that was my day. Every little minor thing. That could go wrong, and just just enough to make you mad. Not enough to be like full on whatever, but just these little things kept right. popping up. My uh, my desk fan uh, that I use for work decided to stop working again. <laughs> Is no it in the middle of the day? Reason. Like you went to turn it on and it wouldn't come on, or what? Yeah, no. I just like like I whenever I start my shift, you know, I normally you know within the first hour or so I turned it on just to have a little air circulating around, you know, because it gets a little stuffy sometimes. Right. And went to click it, turn it on like I always do. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And I just... Uh, again, I just was like, why? Why today? <laughs> why? So... Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that was, yeah, that was pretty much it. And then I just could not wait because I was like, I just want to be off and, you know, do something else. And then, of course, you know, um, I hadn't watched the latest episode of Lower Decks yet, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, and um, I was looking forward to watching that tonight, and then for some reason, again, I don't know why, I don't know what I did, but apparently the settings changed on my uh, my browser, and it was basically acting like I was um, operating, behind, operating behind a VPN. Oh. And so it was like it wasn't allowing me to access the episode to watch it. So I had to, like, go to a whole new, uh, totally different browser, and it worked in uh, Microsoft Edge. I was like, I, I don't use Edge. Like, I never use – I never use – so, again, little annoyances. I was able to watch the episode, but it was just like – Come on, man. Life was coming for you this week. Yeah, you know, really. I just like, is this some kind of weird, you know, message from the universe that I need to, like, hurry up and get to the weekend? Because 
This is, this is terrible. Yeah. But I am glad that, you know, the weekend is upon us. And, uh, you know, get to really kind of relax a bit. Right. This weekend. So hopefully things are, are calm. I'll say. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very good. Now I will say, like, have you been watching Lower Decks at all? Have you given any of the other of the newer treks a shot while you're no, watching? No, I've, I've been sticking with uh, just Deep Space Nine, basically trying not to, I guess, tarnish my experience in some level. Okay, you know, just make my Star Trek experience as it is right now, just pure Deep Space Nine. Um, That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I watch other shows. I've been watching, uh, like, just the new season of Master Chef just wrapped up, which was fun. Uh, it was the back to win season, so they brought back contestants who had, you know, uh, failed the first time, who had been mm-hmm. kicked off earlier on. Um, and then uh, I love the show <laughs> Lego Masters, <laughs> dude. Those people are so talented. People who can make Lego creations in like they give them like twelve, thirteen hours to like make something. And uh, I do feel like the past seasons contestants are better. I mean, it was only one episode for season three so far, and I wasn't as impressed with season three's contestants so far so i'm a little mm-hmm. concerned but uh seasons one and two were great a lot of fun um yeah so i usually watch just uh, other stuff other than star trek if i am watching anything so no that's fair i mean um especially with a show like lower decks there's a lot of references to the other shows so like if you haven't seen them and especially if you haven't completed them the things that they talk about would not make sense and like in particular for example this most recent episode of lower decks since i was finally able to watch it it's very deep space nine heavy on oh, references and everything else nice. so it was great for me i loved you know watching it and the things that they talked about were things that you know um like for you for example if you would watch that episode you wouldn't have understood everything they were talking about because you haven't got that far in your deep space nine watch right you know, so yeah, that would have thrown you off. But I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that you know we got to see, um, see and hear uh, Kira again. And in fact, uh, Nana, Nana Visitor um, actually voices her character in the episode. And yeah. I believe it was also Armin Shimmerman as Quark as well in the episode. Um, there were moments where he sounded spot on. There were others where I was just like, I. I don't know if that's him or not. Like it, it had me questioning. Now they've done that before because they had um, in a couple of episodes previous, they had um, general Martok on, who's another character who again comes into play later. Okay. But um, again, I was watching the episode, glad to see the character, but the voice, I was just like, am I missing? Like it didn't sound quite right to me in instances. And then it turned out it really was him. And then I just had to remind myself, Hey, it has been like, 30 years since some of these people have played these characters, you know? So yeah, they've, they've aged, they've changed, they've done different things, you know? So some of them, while some voices are unmistakable, there are others who, you know, they've changed right over time, but I still enjoyed seeing, you know, the space station, even it's in cartoon form. I enjoyed seeing that. I enjoyed seeing Kira and Quark and Quark's bar and all that. It was a great little, nostalgic nod you know 
So, um, okay. So, so yeah, is, I enjoyed is that. Is the episode of Lower Deck set during the time of Deep Space Nine on Silk Capacity, or like slightly yeah. after? Or It's set after. So, I mean, this episode, like if you were ever really confused about the timeline and where Lower Decks fits, this episode really helps wrap that up for you. It's basically... I would say probably somewhere between like a five and ten year gap from where Deep Space Nine ended. Gotcha. Would be the best way to figure out where it is. They haven't precisely said. Now, I think they give out a couple of like star dates, and I'm sure you could dig through and find whatever the last star date was on Deep Space Nine and Voyager and whatever else and figure out your timeline there. I'm not... I'm not the one to go into doing that kind of a deep dive. So right. it's, but it's definitely after both Deep Space Nine and Voyager have ended. Both of those shows are, um, yeah, have made their run or whatever. So I'm going to say it's somewhere in that five to ten year mark after those particular shows. Okay. So gotcha. So yeah. Um, and if anybody knows, and anybody wants to tell me precisely, if you want to do the research and figure that, out, I mean, I would definitely love to you know, be confirmed or not, you know, but I'm just saying I'm not going to do it. So, but again, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the episode a lot. I enjoy lower decks a lot. It's, it's very chaotic from what we're used to with Star Trek, but, um, but in a fun way, in my opinion, and you get a lot of like growth of character and, you know, alien culture stuff and things that make everybody seem a bit more relatable too, I think. And again, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, and there's just gotcha. things that you can always do with cartoons that you can't do with live action, <laughs> which That's is, true. which is great. So yeah, yeah. Gotcha. a lot of great stuff there. So I would say if you haven't watched it, except for you, you can't watch it yet. <laughs> you you need to get further along in deep space nine. And then I'm like, okay. Yeah. Now it would, now it would be okay. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. But um, anybody else who's at least seen Deep Space Nine and, and Voyager and all that stuff, I, yeah, I think you should watch it and you'll probably enjoy it. Gotcha. Cool. But we are not here to talk about Lower Decks. We are here to talk oh. about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So the episode is Second Skin. Um, do you want to give the recap or should I? Uh, I think it's your turn. Why don't you do it? Okay. That's fine. I actually wanted to do it because I love this episode. Oh, I great. I really do enjoy this episode, and um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that as to why, of course. But yeah, um, great episode, great strong, um, a, a strong one for us here again in, in season three of the show. So, yeah. so yeah, so quick recap. Just gonna hit the highlights here so we can get into it. Um, episode starts with seeing Dax in the replimat, and she looks kind of down. Turns out she is waiting for Kira to show up because they are supposed to go to the Hollow Suites. And um, Quark comes up to her and they're talking. And again, she's letting him know that, yeah, she's not sad. She's more just impatient. And um, right as they're kind of getting into that little bit of the conversation, Kira shows up and she's like, yeah, I just think that the holodecks are a waste of time. I feel like anything that's worth doing in a holodeck, you should do in real life, which uh -huh. I actually kind of love because there's this prevailing thought that if we had holodecks of course that we would be in them all the time yeah. so it's nice to see in universe someone being like yeah you know holodecks are great but they're not all they're cracked up to be and and that's what right. i like about kira she's very much a she wants the real deal not fake stuff right um she doesn't back out of the plan entirely despite her aversion to um holodecks she still agrees because she was like hey i made 
I made the deal. I'll go and do this thing with you. So let's go. Right. Just as they're setting off to go, she gets called a call from Ops saying she's got a message. She takes the message, and it's this woman who is doing a study, um, and they're basically clearing up their records of who was in whatever prison camp, detention camp, when the Cardassians were in control of Bajor. And so she's got this record that says that Kira was at a camp called um, Elmspur. And uh, I had to write that down because there was no way I was going to be able to pronounce that. But, um, yeah, she was at the Ellensburg prison camp for a week. Yes. Yep. They said. Yep. And so Kira was like, yeah, no, I was never there. Yeah. That's not me. And so the lady's like, uh, I'm pretty sure it was you. And she pulls up the record and lists out all of Kira's, you know, stats, basically, and shows the picture even. And she's like, yeah, that's you. And Kira's like, yeah, that's me, but I wasn't there. So kind of little mystery there. Right. Um, so then um, they leave the promenade, and we see Kira next in in Odo's office, and she's upset because she's like, "I know that I wasn't at this uh, prison camp," and right. Odo's like, "Yeah, but the record says you were." And he's like, well, where were you? And she was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember precisely where I was. And he was like, even yeah, after all this time, 10 years, you still remember where you are? And she was like, yeah. And she tells him this story about uh, they were, like, trapped in some caves or something. There was, like, a winter weather storm. Yeah. And they were, they were isolated, and they had no power. They had no heat. And they were just, you know, poor huddled resistance masses in these caves for a week um, while they were in the resistance. So there was no way she could have been at this prison camp right so they start to do their own little investigation um they find someone else who also had claimed to be at the Ellensburg prison camp at the same time that kira was kira starts talking to him and he's like oh yeah i remember you, you used to have uh long hair and yeah you were there for a little while and i saw when they you know drugged you out i thought i thought you were dead right good to see that you're still alive so now this you know freaks her out because she's like this guy remembers me and I know I wasn't there. Right. So convinced that the records are lying. She uh, basically tells Cisco, she needs to go and figure this out. Cisco agrees to give her leave to go to Bajor, talk to the lady who was running the um, report in the first place, lady who contacted her to go and figure out what's going on. Right. She gets on uh, a shuttle and goes to Bajor. Right. Um, or at least so we think. A little bit later, Cisco was contacted in ops by the same lady from earlier who's like, yeah, Kira was supposed to come meet with me, and she never showed up. So now everybody's wondering what's going on because they last saw her getting on a shuttle to go to Bajor. So right. then they start doing their own investigation, and they find um, some energy trace patterns, which could be a, a transporter or right. a trace pattern, which means she could have been beamed away. Or, as Dax points out, it could have been um, a face said to kill. Dun, dun, so, dun. yeah, so either she's dead or she's been transported away. Right. Um, we then are in a dark room and there's this alien. Oh, yeah, the alien. There's this alien woman who we've seen a couple of times who's been following Kira around. Like she, We see her in the promenade when Kira's in the Rebel Mat with Dax. Right. We see her later on when she gets on the Bajoran, um, ship. The Bajoran ship. She gets on the same ship. And now we see her in this dark room, and she's waking somebody up. And when the person sits up, it's this Cardassian woman, and it's Kira, who apparently is full-on 
Cardassian getup, right? Cranial ridges, all the, the whole nine. Sakira freaks out, of course, and is like, you guys have, you know, kidnapped me, you've mutilated me, but it doesn't matter, no matter what you say, I'm never going to believe that I'm a Cardassian, so you can just, you know, stop with this game. Right. Um, she's introduced to a new Cardassian man whose name is Entek, and Entek tells her that she is not Kira Nerys, she's actually a young woman named Ileana Gamor, who used to be, or I guess technically still is, an operative of the Obsidian Order. Now, this is the second time we've heard mention of the Obsidian Order. The first time, of course, was with Garrick right. a few episodes ago. So we know the Obsidian Order is like the Cardassian version of the CIA, but on steroids. They're, they're, yeah. they're super crazy, very militaristic, and you know we're it's all about controlling... More like the, the KGB than anything else. Yeah, you know... They're they're very much into the you know any enemies of the of the state be they alien or domestic will be put down that kind of stuff. Right. So he tells right. her this long story about how Ileana ten years ago had agreed to be a um, sleeper agent who was deployed to gather intel on the Bajoran resistance movement. They altered her to look like this uh, Bajoran prisoner they had captured and killed several years earlier. Gave her her appearance, gave her her memories, implanted her into Bajor in order to get into the resistance and gather intel, and then they would eventually bring her back. Um, once back, she would then take this medicine, which would allow her memories, her original memories, to resurface, and then they would basically debrief her of everything right. she's learned in the time that she's been gone. Right. And so the guy's like, yeah, we know you don't believe us, and that's fine. You're not going to believe us, but once the medicine kicks in, you'll see. You'll, right. you'll get there. And he leaves her a little um, data disc with a recording that apparently the original Ileana made years ago before she um, went undercover. Right. Um, she He tells her, you know, that the, the room that she's in should help her out with her memory because it's not a prison cell. It's actually her home. She's in her, she's in Ileana's home. That's her bedroom. Right. And, uh, uh, yeah, and so he's like, just, you know, give it time, you'll see. Right. Um, Kira continues to kind of, like, sit and wait, and then later on we see her introduced to yet another, um, Cardassian, this one a much older man, and his name is Tekeni Gamor. Right. In fact, he's Legate Tekeni Gamor. He's a big right. wig high up in the Bajoran, uh, not Bajoran, but the Cardassian central military. Command. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's a part of the Central Command. So... Apparently, she is supposed to be his daughter, his long-lost daughter, and uh, he is so excited to see her. He's not even waiting for the medicine to kick in. He just right. had to see her. Um, she doesn't believe him, of course, but, I mean, what is there else for her really to do? She's kind of trapped there. There's a, I think she even finds out there's like a force field on one of the windows. Exactly, yep. So then the next part is we're back on the station and we see Garrick and Bashir. Yeah, Bashir is leaving his his, his uh, quarters, or sorry, his, his yes. uh, offices. And Garrick is like, uh, why don't we go talk? And Bashir is like, well, I'm tired. And Garrick's like, I yeah. have information on Kira. Yeah. We need to go talk to Cisco. 
And so while they're doing that, again, Takeni Gamore is Takeni Gamore is giving you know Kira some more you know stuff about who she is, her life, her mother, her all this kind of stuff. Kira's just like not having it. Nah, my parents were Bajorans. They died here and there. All that other kind of stuff. Um, Cisco back on the station. Cisco and Odo are talking with Garrick and Bashir about Kira and um, what's happened to her. And basically, he's now alerting them that. She's been taken by the Obsidian Order. This right. kind of freaks them out a bit because they're like, why would they, you know, why would they do this? Um, but now they have this plan that there's a need to go and rescue Kira. Cisco essentially uh, blackmails Garrick into coming along and helping them. <laughs> Cisco really likes blackmail. Like, this oh, is not the first time. It's extortion. Cisco... And Cisco's oh, yeah. like... Yes, absolutely. He's like, <laughs> Cisco's basically like, yeah, the Bajoran government has asked us several times, like, why do we even let you stay here? And they've called for you to be removed from the station. So if you don't cooperate, we may have to kick you out. Now, this also goes to another conversation that we see earlier with Bashir and Garrick, in which Garrick is basically telling him, you know, besides that one time when we went to Bajor, you know, whatever, I haven't been off the station forever. And he right. kind of intimates that if he were to leave the station, something bad might happen to him. Right. So he's kind of safe on the station. So Cisco kind of leveling this this threat to him right. is uh, motivation enough to help out. Right. Now, they take the Defiant, because it's got a cloaking device and it's convenient, and they use a hollow filter. So anybody who might get too close, or not too close, but from far away, they are going to appear to be a Kobirian freighter. Right. And they use the hollow filter so that if anybody was to actually need to talk to them, they would look like um, Kobirians. Right. So they set out to go to Cardassia to find Kira. Meanwhile, back on Cardassia, Entek is getting impatient about Ileana or Kira's memory. He's not understanding why the drug isn't working. Right. Now, to us, that can kind of be inferred. It's not working because that's really Kira, not Ileana. Right. But there's, you know, for them, I guess they're saying that's not the case here. It should be working. Um, and she's just kind of resisting. And right. getting impatient. He wants the information that he, that he knows that she contains. And he's basically amping up his threat of torturing her. The only right. thing that's really stopping him is Takeni. Because Takeni Gamora, again, he's the big wig legate. No one is going to cross him, and no one is, is certainly going to torture his daughter. Right. Entek does try to gently interrogate Kira about what she knows about Deep Space Nine, but she gives up nothing. Um, they show her more evidence. They later show her more evidence. Um, one of them being my favorite part was when they uh, brought out the fake Kira body. Yes. And he's basically saying, yeah, the Obsidian Order, we save everything. We don't throw anything away. Here is the body of the woman whose memories we stole and gave to you and whose image right. we stole and gave to you. Right. And she's like, uh, no, that's some kind of weird clone or hologram, hologram yeah. or whatever. But or we're in a hollow suite. Yeah. This whole thing is a hollow suite. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but then Entek goes even further and he like tells her a very specific and personal memory that Kira has that she never really told anyone. And he's like, yeah, we know it because we gave it to you. Right. And so now the uncertainty is starting to sit in with Kira a bit. And um, yeah, she's, she's now becoming more and more nervous. 
So then later on, she attempts to escape, and this is when Takeni Gamor walks in and finds her messing with the force field that was on the window. Right. And is able to dis- uh, she's able to disable it, but she tripped another alarm. Um, the silent and that, alarm. Right, and that's what alerted him that she was attempting to escape. Right. Um, this is when Kira finally watches the recording. She sees herself talking about, you know, as, sees herself as Ileana talking about how she volunteered for the mission. She really wanted to do it. She loves her family. She loves Cardassia. She loves her dad. All the, you know, very, very propaganda-y message in my opinion right about why she did what she did and this again is just kind of more of a mind trickery for for kira right um but kira just still as much as she's seeing all the evidence she's still at her core not believing it um back on the defiant they're getting closer to um cardassia they end up getting scanned and stopped by um another goal on a different ship. Right. They use the hollow filter to appear as Coberians, Cisco being the captain of the Coberian freighter, of course. Right. He tells them they're on their way. They've got some harvest that they've got to deliver. But the goal, uh, the Cardassian captain doesn't really believe him. And it's like, yeah, everything's got to be scanned. So you're going to have to like slow up and let us board and scan your vessel and everything else. Right. Garrick, recognizing that they're in trouble, takes over, demands they drop the hollow filter and let them speak to the um, Cardassians. They're weary, of course, but they do it because they need to get moving. And he basically says, you know, yeah, you discovered us. We're not who you think we are. However, we're still not who you think we are. We're a part of the Obsidian Order. And he gives this long-winded speech about you know, their mission and you to delete this from your logs and you're to tell no one and you back away. And he gives the proper authorization code that pretty much scares the guy. And he's like, yeah, okay, you can go. Yeah. And everybody's he gives a verification like, code. Yeah. That, he lays yeah. it out pretty hard and it scares the guy. And so he's like, all right, y'all can go. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting because I was like, okay, I, I get it. He gave the authorization code, but still, he's a Cardassian. He's clearly traveling with a human, and everything behind him in the background is Federation. Like, right. are you a complete moron? Like, you didn't look at the surroundings on the yeah. screen? Like, that's exactly. what I that's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, you don't see that giant Federation panel lit up right behind them. Right. You know, so, but whatever. He just, he accepts the code, he lets them go, and everybody's just like, staring at Garrick, and um, I think it's Bashir who asked him where he learned all that, and he was like, oh, you know, just something I overheard. And they're like, yeah, right. right. So now we're back with Kira and Entek, who is continuing her interrogation. He's really amped things up. She's kind of in this weird altered state while he's interrogating her. It's right. not, it's still not working. She doesn't give up anything, but um, Right before it really gets intense, Takeni Gamora interrupts yet again. Right. Kira is really struggling. She ends up like breaking a mirror or something, and yes. she kind of has like a breakdown. And Takeni Gamora is like, I can see this isn't working. I can see that Entek is going to basically torture you to death. Right. And you're, and if, and you're my daughter. I love you. I'm not going to let this happen. So now, um, Dakeni has arranged for Kira to escape. 
he reveals that he's a part of the Cardassian dissident movement, which right. is this whole other like kind of subgroup resistance movement that is counter to Central Command. And they believe that the Obsidian Order and Central Command have really overstepped and really taken over Cardassian life and liberty and everything else. Right. And they're kind of fighting to overthrow all that. And Legate Gamor, as their kind of focal point, is incredibly important to the movement. Right. And so through his connections, he is going to smuggle Kira off of Cardassian. Right. And as they're beginning to get into planning all this, Kira realizes something's not right. She's like, they they must have known like this would not work and that there's there's something else going on here. And she realizes that they were never after her. They didn't want her in the first place. They're after to Kenny. Right. They must suspect that he is a part of the distant movement. He's like, oh, no, I'm too well protected. I'm too this. I'm too that. There's no way they could know. And she's like, yeah, but they would never be able to directly um, come question after you, you right. or question you. Yeah, but they could suspect you. So they arrange for you to reveal yourself because, as you said, you're the bigwig. You're the hot shot. So it, you're the focal point, not me. And then as if to confirm all this, Entech enters with two soldiers and he's like, yeah, um, she's absolutely right. You are our focal point. We suspected all along you were part of the dissident movement and we set this whole thing in motion to trap you and you yes. fell for it. Right. And so they, you know, they separate them out. They're going to, you know, basically shoot to Kenny, but that's when Cisco and Bashir and Odo and, and Garrick all show up and they take over and basically free them and convince to Kenny to come with them. Right. And Entech is questioning Garrick. He's like, what, what are you doing? He's an enemy of the state. Like, why are you helping him out? And, you know, it's basically just showing that, you know, there's kind of this, ambiguity around Garrick for real. Like, because on the one hand, Garrick makes it sound like they're trying to kill him, but to, but Entech's kind of like, not really. Like, there's there's some, there's some clearly something else here. Um, but before we can really get into discovering what all that is, um, Garrick ends up killing Entech anyway, so then, you know, that's it. <laughs> right. And they leave. They go back to the station, and um, the episode is ending, and this is where we find out more about... Um, that there was a real Ileana, she really did volunteer for this program, and there's a very real possibility that she could still be a sleeper agent somewhere on Bajor. She right. could be dead, but but Takeni chooses to believe that she is a sleeper agent somewhere who hasn't been found yet. Right. He is leaving for another planet where they've given him asylum. And um, yeah, and so he's going to stay there while still helping out with the Cardassian dissident movement. But before he leaves, he gives um, he gives Kira some fatherly advice one last time. But it's basically like it was kind of you know, kind of scary because he's like that fellow Garrick. Don't trust him. Don't turn your back on him. He's a dangerous man. He'll betray all of you in an instant. All of that stuff. Like it was it was weird because he went from so yeah. nice to just like he just cut right through it. Right. Kira accepted, of course, and then he. She tries to give back the bracelet that Entek had given her early on in the episode. He tells her to keep it because as far as he's concerned, she is family to him and she honors him, tells him she thinks he's an honorable man and that his daughter must have loved him very much. Um, to Kenny departs and that's it. Yep, that's it. And that's the episode. 
So I feel like I hit the highlights. Um, yeah, a couple yeah, of things for sure. There, but yeah, 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 cool. yeah definitely. Um, of course, we'll always have little details to talk about, but absolutely, that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why is this your one of your favorite episodes? Why oh, does this stand out? I love this episode so much because there's just so many different things that are levels of nothing is what it seems, right? So right. like from the beginning, we have. Kira, who is now supposedly a Cardassian, and then we have when when Cisco goes to uh, rescue her in the Defiant, the cloak ship. They still use further subterfuge by appearing by appearing as um, Kobirians on a Kobirian freighter, right? Right. And then the the bait and switch with Entek, who's like, no, this is all to get Ileana, but really it's to get to Kenny, you know. Right. So there's just all this constant. Nothing was ever directly what they started out. A lot being. of subterfuge this episode. Yeah. And that's one thing about the Cardassians that just that from the time that we met Garrick in the first season, that's kind of been their MO. They're so duplicitous. And it's like if you were ever looking for something to be a redeeming quality of these people, this episode to me says there isn't any. There is right. nothing about the Cardassians that in any way is redeeming. I mean, like, even with Kenny being so loving and protective of Kira, you know, it was also out of a sense of selfishness because he was older and he, you know, was risking his position and the dissident movement, which was all, and all this, all these very important things that he had going on. He was risking all of that on the off chance that he was reunited with his daughter. And then he implicitly trusted Entech to deliver her like he didn't even question that that could have been a clone or someone altered to look like Ileana he was like nope that's her right like he he never he never did like a, a DNA test he did nothing to right. like on his own to verify who she was right you know and so he was like risking it all on the off chance that she was who they were saying she was even though she's standing right in front of him being like no I am not Ileana right um so I, I love that. I love that even Odo got in on it. You know, when Odo comes in with Cisco and everybody to rescue her, he's he's changed into like a bag, and Cisco just like throws him on the floor. And so when yeah, Entek great. is distracted and talking to him, Odo comes up and you know I'll kind of handles <laughs> the situation. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's just so many levels of everybody playing something different, being something different, and it just kept going, snowballing more and more throughout the whole episode. I, I just loved it. And then, of course, uh, Nana Visitor gives a great performance consistently throughout this episode. I, I mean, we've, we've talked about her a lot um, in, right. in this whole run. She's, she's just great. She's great. Kira is a great character. She's a very complex character. And even when they give us stuff like this, it really kind of helps us to, you know, reinforce just how great she is. I mean, she's still... Ex exceeds your expectations every time right so i just love it great episode gotcha um oh, i hate to burst your bubble i mean i not that i hate this episode but i i was a little frustrated that the episode seemed to, like explain its twist like all within like 10 seconds mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was oh it turns out it wasn't kira that we kidnapped that she's actually a cardassian turns out we're trying to figure out if the legate is actually a traitor um, and so we pulled off this elaborate scheme of kidnapping 
someone who looks like his daughter and she has the same voice and face and mannerisms and and then oh in the last like little bit we find out that the twist is a little more than that like it was it was about the legate um i mean let me be fair it it gives us more into the inside of cardassia so you you know oh yeah there is a dissident movement and it isn't just a ground swell it actually had or you know again had because he's now gone but you know had some you know high level up people involved in it Mm -hmm. um you get the feeling that the cardassians are living in a you know nazi style government where there's a you know giant oppressive state on the people and yet there are actually people within the government trying to undo things that are you know bad at the society you know the, the movie valkyrie with tom cruise is an example for me you know he's a mm-hmm. he plays a, a, a you know nazi soldier who then gets wrapped up in a scheme to try to assassinate hitler um that movie is okay it's not like the best movie ever but you know you get the idea yeah. um so i i like the idea that the cardassian people are more they're broadened out we have as the end of the episode says kira's like you're an honorable man like she would never have said that about any cardassian ever before so that actually is is great you know we can actually say we have more about the cardassians going on um and i i as i was watching the episode i was like okay so either Car- you know kira is is almost assuredly not a cardassian but if the student because if the show went there and actually made it so that it turns out that Kira had been a Cardassian plant all this time. That would be such a com- like such a change in the character of Kira. Like she could still maintain her same you know personality and her mm-hmm. morals and her beliefs, but to been like have the truth revealed that she's actually been a Cardassian uh, spy this whole time or a plant on some level. I was like, man, if they went through that, be that would be huge and frankly too too big too huge too much of a change in the character for it to work because then you'd have to effectively that would that would do that would define the character from here on out if they did that so i wasn't surprised that it didn't go that way but i felt at times like (laughs) like near the end they were trying to make it so that kira seemed like she was like Oh, am I really actually a Cardassian? Because there's that one memory I had, and and there's the yeah. dead body, and and there's the video, and so I was like, okay, if they go there, they're gonna have to really commit to this idea. Yeah. And if they do, that would be fantastic, but almost assuredly they won't. And so it was one of those things for me where it felt like I was waiting for the twist to happen, and then yeah. the twist is, oh, it's not actually Kira. We're after it's the other guy, and she kind of figured it out all real quick. And so I felt like they didn't leave as many bread crumbs for us to help like understand that plot. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. They, she explains why they did it that way. They needed a a Bajoran who actually couldn't be affected by the drugs so that that would make him have to save his daughter and carries the one who looked like the person. Um, I, I feel like it was a little bit too coincidental. It's like, well, of course it well, was. <laughs> I mean, shows always have to use coincidence to make things work. Yeah. So. And I think you're highlighting something that we have said multiple times. This is an episode that would have benefited from being a two-parter. Oh, yeah. If we had gotten to see Kira and Takeni getting closer. Right. Forming that bond a bit more. Right. And, and also seeing, you know, um, Entek 
doing more to you know amp up the danger. Right. I think that that would have really um, helped out here. Yeah, and, if... and things that would have called more of Kira's memory of her own life into question right. also would have helped out here. Um, right. There was just just not enough time, not enough time in a in a one off episode to do it. We right. get a lot of great stuff here, but yeah, there's just too many focal points that needed to be drawn out, expounded upon that we right. just we just don't get right. Um, I also thought that the father character, whose name I forget at the moment, that to Kenny, to Kenny, I thought he was in on it as well. Like I, oh, we that know that an interesting twist. Well, no, I mean like the Cardassians are always known for gaslighting. Like we had the episode at the end of season two with O'Brien being brought to Cardassia to be on trial, and we had every time you know, all the time, any times we meet, we meet a Cardassian, they're always pulling a scheme. They're always you know. They're gaslighting. They're always gaslighting. So yeah. I figured, well, it's just another episode of gaslighting. So part of me was also like, well, of course, like I felt like Kira should have been more like roll her eyes. Like this is ridiculous. Kind of like, I know you guys, I've, I've known you guys forever. You guys gaslight all the time, but instead she's just, she was just like, it's just like, she was like angry, but. Like, for me, I feel like if I was her, I would just be rolling my eyes and being like, okay, I've, I know you Cardassians so well that I don't believe a single thing coming out of your mouths. This is all a bunch mm-hmm. of BS. And I would have just rolled my eyes the whole time. But instead, she gets, like, indignant. And so part of me was like, I just wanted to be like, that's not how I would be as the, in the character's place. But maybe that's just not fair. The character isn't me, so the character reacts differently. Um but so, I think that's kind of where I was at. I was like, this is not yeah. how I'd respond to a situation. I'd be rolling my eyes the whole time. I'd be like, well, not responding to the name Ileana. I'd just be like, call me Kira, call me Kira, call me Kira, call me Kira. <laughs> well, and, and then, you know, like you were saying, you know, an epi- this is another uh, highlights the Cardassian gaslighting. I mean, Entek, not Entek, sorry. Takeni Gamor falls victim to this because he is already suffering from um, his own his own status, his own hubris. As he says multiple times, I'm, you know, I'm too well connected. I'm too well protected. I'm too... He, he believes himself truly to be the untouchable man. He believes that he is the one who can influence um, others, but not himself be influenced. Not realizing that the Obsidian Order makes it a habit of, you know, they'll, anybody. They've, they've made that very clear. There is no one outside of their their purview, you know. Um, the central command just gets a little bit more leeway, but yeah, they've just they're always undermining something. Is the and that's kind of the Obsidian Order's whole game. So for him to sit there and and say that over and over again just kind of shows that he's just he's older. He's he's not as as with it and up on everything as perhaps he's been led to believe. Right. And that's where his his greatest failing is because he just thought he was well, yeah, too big to fail. But they were they were after him the whole time. Right now, I will say that you know you you know you're talking about um, you know if Kira had somehow turned out to be a Cardassian plant all along, you know um, they actually had originally intended for it to be kind of a a, a mixture of that. The thought was. They were never going to definitively say whether or not she was 
Cardassian or Bajoran. They were going to have Bashir basically say, there's not enough for us to really differentiate one way or another. You could have been altered, surgically altered enough that we can't tell if you're Bajoran or Cardassian. And then kind of they wanted to play that off as basically she is Kira because she she has lived this life this whole time. And she has made all these decisions since whenever. So she is Kira. Now, whether or not there's going to be something else about her or whatever else, we'll see. But they never really, they wanted to make it, identity is more about your memory and your decisions that you make. Less about your actual physical body and person. Right. But they were not really able to go any further with that. Um, also, the original plan had been to make this story about O'Brien. And that O'Brien was the Cardassian oh. <laughs> uh, plant. And, that you know, could have worked, but we just used him in that episode we just talked about. Yeah. Well, they ran into issues because as they were, you know, kind of trying to retcon this story to make it work, they, one, couldn't explain, um, that because that would have basically retconned him all the way back to the very beginning of D&D. Next Generation. Yeah. yeah. Encounter yeah, yeah. at Farpoint when he shows up on the Enterprise. Um, so they would have had to fix all that. And then also because he married Keiko and has a human daughter, Molly. Right. Exactly. So they would have that had to have figure either. that out. Yeah. So yeah, they were like, yeah, too many things we would have had to like overly explain that it would have been a mess. So we went with Kira instead of O'Brien. But O'Brien, if you think about it, makes a little bit more sense considering his checkered past involving the Cardassians anyway. Right. So how interesting would that have been if he had been the um, the the plant? Instead? Yeah, well, it also would have worked better if it had happened before that episode from season two, at the end of season two, where he is on trial for crimes that they won't tell him about. If they had yeah. tried, like if that had been the two-parter, that could have been, I don't know, maybe that would have been, well, no, it, it worked enough on its own. Uh, we didn't yeah. need that to be the two-parter with this one, per se. But, yeah, um, I can see how O'Brien was the original person that was supposed yeah. to be uh, the the plant, or so was it the plant. But, it, it, you know, it also hits more emotionally for it to be Kira. Yeah. she's the one who hates the Cardassians so much, because it's a personal you know, she she was in the resistance all her life. It wasn't just a an officer on a ship or a, not an officer, I guess. So Brian's not technically an officer, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, so I yeah. got you. Like yeah, a Starfleet. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a you know kind of a died in the wool Starfleet man either. You know, or I, I'm saying the story wouldn't have worked considering that's how O'Brien is portrayed. He's like the everyman in Star Trek, you know, right? and he's so relatable. So to make him this duplicitous secret agent, I think it would have destroyed a lot more later on than it would have right. given us a great story. I think that, you know, it wouldn't have held up as well. People would have been way more upset, especially considering how, how much it would have influenced the next generation, because we watched all seven seasons of that show, never knowing this about him. So to suddenly find it out in Deep Space Nine would have ruined a lot of yeah. like, your takeaways of, of the next generation and, um, and considering how popular that show is and, and was back then in the nineties, you know, and they were doing movies and stuff and all the rest of that. It was kind of a, it was kind of like in its own box on Paramount. And they were like, yeah, don't, don't touch this. You can can make (laughs) references, you can make references, but, but don't touch it. This is our, this is our golden goose here. We're not going to let you really mess that up. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Um, what did you think of Kira all done up as a uh, Cardassian? <laughs> it was funny when uh, when Garrick sees her at the end of the episode when they're rescuing her. He says, you've never looked so stunning, or, or what does he say? Uh, something like that. You've never looked so yeah. dashing. or um, And it's just hilarious because on some level it makes sense. Yeah, he's attracted to Cardassian women. He's a Cardassian. Right. Um, but how much is he just joking, being sarcastic? Um like that's, I, I, all, that's always him, and all the and every like whenever they're having a very situ, a, um, serious situation, Garrick is always making some kind of flippant comment, and you're just yeah. like, "Not the time or the place, dude." Right. <laughs> you know, keep going. And what's you know what's funny is it really does show you how much you kind of have to act through some of those prosthetics because they are pretty hefty, oh, yeah. bony things. Um, oh she, yeah. She, she like she felt Cardassian in part because she was having to act through. The, the 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 prosthetics you know, like the other actors have to do it she was having to do it she felt and more she Cardassian she did I, she yeah. hated it the non visitor so she has told <laughs> the story several times that she is quite claustrophobic ah. and that the makeup you know she had to be in the makeup chair at like one thirty in the morning and they would then be shooting for the next 20 hours. And she had right. to wear all this heavy prosthetics and heavy makeup and all the stuff they had to put on to make sure that under the hot lights, everything else, it didn't run. And if she yeah. started to sweat and all that kind of stuff. And she just, she hated it. And it got to the point where, you know, she has said that there were several times where she had demanded to be like given breaks and to take the stuff off. <laughs> and the directors were trying to, push her to, you know, go and do more or else. And she just, she just couldn't take it. Right. And, uh, wow. she's, you know, they were, she says that, you know, even when her claustrophobia really like just kicked into overdrive, she would be on set and they would be filming and she would be picking at it and pulling it off because she just couldn't <laughs> take it anymore. And so then it would have to stop and fix it and touch it up and redo this and reshoot and everything else. So, for as as wonderful as it turned out, it was a nightmare. Right. It was a nightmare for for Kira. So, yeah. um, I I just think that that's interesting because I mean, th- you know, there is there is so much prosthesis that goes into the aliens, you know, and she got away with it because she's a Bajoran, so she only had the little, you know, on her little bit on her nose, and then she's rolling through the day. She probably even right. forgot half the time that, that was even on her face. Right. But then to suddenly have to wear the full-on head prosthetic and the wig and then she's got the ridges and the neck piece and then the all that and you yeah. gotta wear that for 20 hours a day while they're filming six days a week right yeah i mean i would love to think that i would be able to handle like i i've said plenty of times i think i would make a great klingon right <laughs> but if i had to wear all of that all day long, I think I would also begin to hate it. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that it's hot. Like I, I oh, know 100 percent it. that it's hot. But imagine if there's like an itchiness to it, and you can't oh. scratch it because of of placement, right? right. And and all that. Yeah. Or something starts to slip or run or whatever it is, and you've got a the constant touch ups and how long it takes. And, oh my God. <laughs> you know, uh, Michael Dorn has talked often about how they would, you know, to get his wharf makeup just right. He was in the, you know, in the chair four or five hours a day, every day. And then he had to go and actually film his scenes. And then they had to stop for touch ups and breaks and everything else. I, it's, it sounds nightmarish. Right. 
I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. But can, is there any way you can just like I don't know, give me some spots. Right. Give me, um, yeah. Give me a just little whatever. I don't I'm a want. trill now, baby. <laughs> right. I have a, a yeah, a, a whole new appreciation what do you know? for the All actors. The Star Trek looks very much like the trill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all Gosh. of our actors have severe claustrophobia. No one can wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you hear about like Jim Carrey as the Grinch and the Grinch Stole Christmas and and other other things. Um, Lord of the Rings, those mm-hmm. actors who played like the orcs, for example. Oh man, on some level, it sounds awesome. Like you know, you get to play this fully embodied character that's totally not you because they've got all this stuff on them. But then, yeah, there is that downside of like, I mean, goodness gracious, Michael Dorn played War for ten years, right? Like that dude must have got longer he was on because he was on next generation for all seven seasons then he was on deep space nine for four seasons and then of course there was all the movies and stuff right and then he and he was in he was in a couple of movies that the others weren't in so i mean he's been playing that character for i mean well 20 years well no if he was in during the tng that must have been 40 years ago. Oh, I guess you're saying over a 20-year period. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm saying, like, I mean, like, obviously, you know, Next Generation is, you know, what, 35 years old, 30, whatever. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, but he's, yeah, he's been doing that ever since. And, like, anytime they needed, you know, a, a Klingon for certain things, he's been their go-to guy. Even when the when the original series crew were still doing movies, he is in the very last movie, the, uh, the undiscovered country. He's right. in that movie as ancestor Worf. <laughs> um, and he played and, and yeah, he's just, and, and he's got a different kind of Klingon makeup on, but it's still him. Yeah. You know, wow. so he's been doing it for, I mean, forever. He's got, he actually has the second, uh, the second, highest amount of star trek credits to his name he's been in more star trek than anybody else except for major barrett roddenberry oh okay because she plays the the computer and stuff yeah yeah. she's the computer voice so she so some part of her has been in more trek than anyone else but he's been on screen more i would say right yes he has been on screen more than anyone else wow than anyone else and he still holds that record and i and there was I don't know if they were they were talking about someone was getting close. I don't remember. I think it was Patrick Stewart was getting close. That but, would make sense. He's the only but, one who I could imagine would have a similar with yeah. the Picard show, for example. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's what it was. Like Picard really helped him out because Worf was because Michael Dorn was beating everybody mainly because of Deep Space Nine. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, Picard, the show was helping him out. But now that Michael Dorn is returning for Picard, he gets to add more credits to his name. Yeah. So I'm just like, sorry, Patrick Stewart, your time to right, make up is up. Right. I'm like, that's the that's the real reason Michael Dorn came back. He he wanted to make sure he had a a good buffer zone. Yeah. You know, so no one no one could touch over. his number. Exactly. Exactly. And now with the way that they film shows and stuff in the in the shortened seasons and everything no one will be able to touch his record. Like, you would have to be on a show, like, let's say Discovery, for example. Discovery would have to run for a minimum of 10 seasons to even get them remotely close. Right. Because their seasons are so short. Well, if they were doing at least 24 episodes before, and now they're doing 10, that means you'd have to do, effectively, 
Yeah, if these seasons ten episodes, it's like two and a half episodes, two and a half seasons to even make up one season of TNG. Mm. So yeah, that's way outside the, the scope yeah. of anyone's willingness. I'm yeah, sure. so no one's no one's gonna no one's gonna be with that. Now then, the, I think the next the person after that that would be close now is um, Kate Mulgrew, who played Captain Janeway on Voyager. She got all seven seasons of Voyager. Then she did voice work. Now she's on um, Prodigy. And on Prodigy, she's playing Janeway, but in like two different versions. So I guess technically she gets to be listed twice in some of those episodes. And there's a couple of them where she gets to be listed three times because she's... She's Admiral Janeway, she's Hologram Captain Janeway, and then she's Evil Hologram Captain Janeway. So, so she gets she she gets a lot of work on uh, Prodigy, but even still, that show is is so new. I mean, they've only had um, one season, right? So, I mean, again, that show would have to run at least for seven seasons for them to even get close. But yeah, right. So I, I just think that all that is really interesting, and I, I love the fact that of all people, Michael Dorn is the one who is holding it down for the most screen time. You know, yeah. um, you I would have thought it was it would have been you know, Riker next, but no, it is definitely uh, definitely Worf. Gotcha. So, wow. <laughs> and I can't wait to see old Worf in Picard. <laughs> nice, nice. So now back to this episode, I am also enjoying the gradual tonal shift that we're seeing in the episodes. If you've noticed, we, you know, in seasons one and seasons two, you know, we we were doing a lot of establishing foundational work for all of the characters. But now we're starting to get more into um, a bit more complex character development. And, you know, Kira, of course, it makes sense. They would kick that off with her. And even, like as I was saying earlier, the episode's all about how nothing is what it seems. Even Kira at the end, as you said, she now looks at Kenny Gamore and this, this man who, you know, as a powerful Cardassian, really kind of embodied the hatred that she had for Cardassians. But at the end, she's like, I see now that you're you're an honorable man. You're a good man. And that your right. daughter loved you. You know, like she is able to look past her own hatred and see this man as a as a honorable, venerable person. Right. Know? And so I, I, I like those shifts. I like those changes. So it's just again, a really refreshing episode to see. But also we see, you know, a different tone from Cisco. You know, Odo seems to be a bit more, you know, informed about himself as well. We've gained a lot of knowledge about him and his people now. The characters seem a bit more solid now. And so we're moving into new territory with informed characters versus new new territory where no one really knows or understands anything about the people that they're working next to. So I like that level of comfortability that seems to be playing out in in their roles now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this episode also gave us you know, just more. I mean, I guess it's not a whole lot more about Garrick, which was the best part of the episode for me. Was just Garrick being his shady self. <laughs> his, yeah, Garrick. You know, Garrick is still our enigma. We haven't really gotten you know much about him. Uh, that's that's straightforward anyway. Everything about him is, you know, some level of lie, deceit, subterfuge, you know. And the way that it's it's played so well by Andrew Robinson, I, you know, again, great, great actor. 
doing a great <laughs> job here. Um, even when I think you're supposed to kind of dislike Garrick and be like, oh, he's kind of slimy, you know, you can't help but smile and just be like, look at him, you know, just yeah, just look at him go, you know, in spite of everything <laughs> else. Just he just he keeps he keeps at it. I right. love it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I love everything about this episode. Like it just, the layers of everything that keeps, that keeps popping up, even the architecture, we get to see the interior of a Cardassian home. And right. I just, I love the layout. I love the color scheme. I love everything about it. I, I'm a sucker for a great, um, a great scene. Right. And I've said before that the Cardassian and Bajoran architecture always uh, was so impressive to me. And they certainly didn't disappoint here. I, I wanted that bone carving that she was playing with. Um, I even looked for it briefly. Wonder if I could find it. I just love all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to Cisco, I love the you know, I, are you, you're, you're committing ex, you're, uh, extortion. This is extortion. <laughs> He's like, Hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> and Odo, <laughs> the best part for me, the whole season, or the, the whole episode was when Cisco says that Odo smiles. Yes. Odo loves it. Those, He's happy about it. <laughs> those two play off each other so well. So and we've said that happy. also multiple times. If the two of them, if there was just a couple of episodes where it was just the two of them having to like solve crimes together, you know, kind of being, you know, uh, almost like a yes, Star Trek crime cap. procedural. Yes. They would be great. They would I absolutely know. be great. They they work so well together. Um right. Yeah, I, I don't know why we don't see more of them. And you know, yeah. we're in the third season. Hopefully we get to see a little bit more of that. But yeah. And and I and I think it's because as much as Odo appreciates, you know, rule of law, he obviously understands that sometimes you gotta kinda bend things a bit to to get right. things done, and Cisco fully embraces that. This again, right. this is not the first time that Cisco has extorted or blackmailed someone yes. to get yeah. what he wants. Quark is like traumatized in the back yeah. corner from Cisco blackmailing him. It's like <laughs> you know, like every captain has their bag of tricks, but Cisco, his like that's that's it. Yeah, his, strong arming, he, strong yeah. arming. <laughs> he just he just takes the whole bag and throws it at you. He's like, here right. it is, extortion, boom. Right. I, and he says, yeah, I blackmailed you. He, he tells Gork yes. right away. Yes. And here he is doing it to Garrick. And I right. also love Garrick being like, um, fine, I'll come along on your fool's errand, yes, but I want to make one text. thing perfectly clear. Yes. Yeah. If there's ever any danger, if there's anything goes wrong, I'm not going to sacrifice my life for you. I am yeah. going to cut tail and run. And Cisco says, you know, that's the first true thing you've ever said to me, isn't it, Garrick? And he says, Yep. <laughs> like, the two of them are finally starting to get each other. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my favorite scene, was that right there. Um, the, uh, the moment where Garrick is then giving the code about, um, you know, like the guy, the, 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 the Cardassians trying to ask, who are you, what are you doing? And he says, let me show myself. And then he gives the, this, this, this code, something, something, something black. I forget what, what, what all he said. That was the part that, um, I mean, it, it tells you that, I mean, he still has something. Let me put it this way. I thought that the, I thought that the person that Garrick knew on Cardassia was going to be revealed to be 
this guy, the, the 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 one who was revealed to be the the dis- dissident, the what's his, what's the guy's name? Gamor. Dekenny. Dekenny Gamor. Yeah, him. I thought Gamor was going to be revealed to be Garrick's contact at the end of the episode. That's like why he would come with them, for example, and that was going to put Garrick in an even worse situation. He's blown one of his contacts, but that's not apparently what happens uh that's you know gamora is like actually don't trust this guy at the end of the episode mm-hmm. um so i well i like the idea that he like had this code to get them out of that weird situation with the with the cardassian um fighter pilot dude um it just leaves you with more questions like how did he have a code that was still active because he says oh i just overheard something while i was tailoring someone's clothing like yeah it's just bs i mean we all know it's bs he knows it's bs everyone knows it's bs but it just makes you just – I mean from what I can tell, it's just like we're never going to get all the answers about Garrick. That's just that's just who he is. He's just this yeah. – it's just mystery within a mystery within a mystery, um, which part of me is like, well, I want to know more and I look forward to knowing more. But if I don't ever find out, then it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we uh, – it will be the spoiler I'll give you. Yeah, we never find out more about Garrick. He stays – as enigmatic as he was the first time that we met him um he he loves being that and i think that like it just it helps out like later on in the show it helps out not having this clearly defined character because everybody else does become very you know to a degree polarized but to have this one character that is constantly you're not really sure which way he's gonna go you know um really works out right and it kind of it's a great thing to play off of the other characters in turn because they all get their moments where they have to deal with him in some regard and the fact that he never really can be totally nailed down helps out Right. So um, we get more of that. We'll we'll definitely be seeing more of that. So don't <laughs> don't worry about that at all. Gotcha. But yeah, um, I you know we didn't really see uh, much of much of Bashir in this one. We got you know he he was there in a very supporting role, but he doesn't really have much in the way of lines. We don't really see much of Dax in this one. We don't see O'Brien at all, or Jake, yeah. or Nog. You know, we no. a lot of our. Secondary characters are not here in this right. one, but this is um, a Kira episode. For yeah, sure. yeah. But uh, yeah, we did see a lot of them in the previous episode. I mean, like we've been missing O'Brien a lot. So I'm, uh, without looking ahead, I'm I'm thinking he'll be popping up here soon. Gotcha. We, we must be getting. We'll get back on track with him. So <laughs> I'm I'm ready to see that. Right. Uh, see that too. Right. Um. But what are your so final thoughts on the episode? Overall enjoyable? Um, I guess I would feel for yeah. me that um, I, I felt like the twist about her being kidnapped and made to look like a Cardassian, it, it, like, it should have been a two-parter. Yeah. As you said, if that had been a two-parter, we could have delved into that more. Like if, if the twist at the end of this episode had been where the kind of the halfway point of this episode actually was, where she finally views the video, and it's her. Like, it's her talking to herself, or she thinks it's her. Like, the video is proof, and then we move on from there. I would have been able to, like, have that, you know, oh, no, it really is her. Like, I could, uh, oh, if I was watching it in real life, you know, when it first came out, I could have had a whole week to, like, oh, no, is Kira actually a Cardassian? Um 
but I, I never really was able to fully accept that, that was ever going to be believable. And so when the twist turns out to be not even a cure necessarily related twist, it's about the other guy. Um, it just felt a little bit of a letdown, I guess for me. So, but I like the Garrick stuff was the best part. Garrick yeah. and Cisco and Odo, all three of them were the, were the highlights. Again, Odo being a backpack. And when, when Cisco yeah. runs in, throwing him onto the ground, just like tosses him. Just, that's that, yeah. I mean, the real question is how much does Odo weigh that he could just, I mean, well, we've, we've, we, I guess we've had that question before. He turned into a, like a glass and cork carried him as a glass before. So he could change his weight apparently. Um, yeah, as a as a as a shapeshifter, he can become whatever you know. Right. So I'm I don't think that um, weight is really a factor. Like he becomes as light or as heavy as he needs to be, which is pretty interesting because we've only really seen him be small things. I would right. love to see him turn into something huge. Like if we were like if they just did something where he was in the promenade and he was a giant boulder. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. The biggest if, he's ever been is when he went crazy in that one episode and turned into like a yeah, blob thing. Yeah, he, yeah. He was just an amorphous blob. He didn't have a solid form. Like I'm very curious as to, because like, you know we we watched the episode where he went to his home planet and they were talking about how he you know become a rock. If he becomes a rock, he is a rock. So forth. Right. I want to see him do it. Can he? Can like what is the limit of size? We've seen right. him do small things. We've seen him do some medium things. Can he be a mountain? Right. You know, a house. Um, then a house. I want to know, like, is there an energy requirement? Like, can he be a can he be a star? Can he be a sun? Oh can man, that's he... way too big. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, okay, we'll 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 make it a little smaller. Can he be? Can he be a shuttle? Right. Can he yeah. morph into a shuttle and travel through what, space? What could energy output travel... could he be yeah. in that situation? Could, could yeah. someone travel inside him? Like, if he was to morph into a, a one person sized shuttlecraft right could someone open his door and get inside and, and take off right i guess you'll have a better answer than i will <laughs> um i would just tell you that these are things that um are never answered we, we, we never get answers to. We, <laughs> we never see him turn into a shuttlecraft or a mountain we never see sun. odo test the limits of his abilities no however <laughs> well that's not true we do see him test himself however i will say mild you know foreshadowing whatever we do see him encounter other changelings who can do some pretty interesting things. Gotcha. But that's that's down the road. We'll gotcha. get there, and that's all, all I'm right. going to say. A little taster for the future. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's going to be about it for us. Got to wrap it up so that we can, you know, get some rest and finish out uh, the weekend and then prepare for Sunday when we are live for the first time on wow. our YouTube channel, which is called what? <laughs> The fire fire caves, caves. of course. Right. (laughs) So that will be October 2nd, and we will post the official live time on uh, both Facebook and on um, um, Twitter and and so forth. So, again, tune in, join us for the live broadcast on October 2nd. Um, We'd love to have you. We'd love to, you know, hear from you. We'll see how we can work that out, you know, chat concepts and so forth. and if for whatever reason you can't and you miss the live part of it, we're still going to be doing our regular um, recording and everything else. So you'll be able to listen to the live episode the following week on the 7th, October 7th is when we come out. So you'll be able to listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts like you've been doing before. 
like I say every week, I have to do it on Spotify. Right. Um, other than that, guys, that's it for us tonight. You all take care of yourselves. Thanks again.